Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening is Adam White. Can't we all have someone defending us the way Jason Denier and Leo Dubois do last night? Um, all on how they were absolutely heroic as the Avengers you may see later this summer. And all look into um, Liga, games that we also had as well this midweek after your latest headlines. Leon held Barcelona to a nil-nil draw at the Group Armour Stadium on Tuesday night in the first leg of the round of 16 Champions League tie. Legones conceded 15 shots, but no away goals as they head to the Camp Nou in a few weeks' time with nothing to lose and everything to gain. On Wednesday night, Paris Saint-Germain managed to squeeze in one of their games in hand thanks to a special dispensation from UEFA as they beat Montpellier 5-1. The rampant scoreline is somewhat unfair on the away side, who did level on 35 minutes, and a number of the goals in the second half were either big deflections or home goals. In much less entertaining affair, uh, Gangom held Bordeaux at the Mahmoud Al-Antique to a goalless draw, with Nolan Roux missing the huge chance for the bottom side to claim all three points. This evening in the Europa League, Rennes are through to the next round after winning 3-1 at Betis. Ryan Bensibaini and Hatem Ben Arfa put the away side ahead, but Giovanni Lo Celso's goal made it a little bit nervy for the rest of the game, but a counter-attack in the last minute saw by Niang seal the victory and their keys to the next round. And that's all for now, but for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this evening with the Champions League game that we saw on Tuesday night. And while some will be praising Leon's, um, the lack of, well, instead of praising Leon's ability to defend, I've sort of beomed Barcelona's lack of scoring ability in this one. But Adam, from, from a French perspective and from a Leon perspective, I, I, that's maybe doing a little bit of disservice. I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people might be watching the other game that was on Tuesday night. But in all honesty, watching the entire game, it never felt like Barcelona really had the greatest chance to score. I mean, a lot of the goals were from distance and, and shots that Lopez could deal with. It, it never really looked like that Barcelona were going to score. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good point. Barcelona obviously had a lot of pressure and 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 occasionally, you know, there was a sort of a, a number of occasions, especially in the first half, which um, and it, to be honest, the game was kind of pretty open for long periods, but. There were sort of periods in the first half where they sort of managed to win the ball back pretty high up, or or there was a, a you know the possession was given away and, and there was a bit of space and there was sort of a on the turn they looked quite dangerous counter attacking Barcelona. But you're right, they never really fashioned a like a gilt edge chance as it were to, to to you know that you you would say you know like when you know Leon beat Manchester City or drew Manchester City at home they missed those two massive chances in the first half and it, there was nothing akin to that. Um, so I think yeah, Leon held Barcelona sort of just about at arm's length, even though they were they were under a lot of pressure, as you said. You know, Dubois and Denier were, were brilliant, and and they def I thought they defended really really well. I think this is pretty much obviously winning would be better, but this is a good result for Leon. You know, they've proven that they can go away to to superior opposition when that team, Manchester City, for example, is expected to win. And they know how to win those games. Ginesio has proven how that he knows how to win that sort of game. Obviously, Barcelona, given the fact that they've outrightly, you know, outright stated that they are focusing on the Champions League this year after what happened with with Roma last year. You know, despite winning the double, Vanessa Van Valverde's <clears throat> double that they they achieved, and you know, Lionel Messi was fantastic last season. That double hasn't been seen in particularly good light, even though they won, you know, they won a double, which is which is still pretty amazing. 
um, because of that that Roma debacle. Um, and and it's they've said that it's their priority this season, which which perhaps any other year, perhaps you know, would they there's there would be a chance that Leon could hope for some Barcelona complacency. I don't think that'll happen, but th there is the opportunity for them to to get a one or draw. Perhaps I can see them scoring at the New Camp for sure. I would imagine a similarly open game, although that kind of died down in the second half uh, in the week. You know, the last half an hour was pretty much all Barcelona. But there's going to be opportunities for Leon, and, and I'll be happy with the performance and and happy with the result. And they had a, a couple of sly little moments. I know mm. I saw that um, and Marcelo mentioned after the game that he had a trickier time facing Mbappe than than Messi on the evening. And he maybe was a little bit quiet and Suarez had a couple of frustrating mm. moments. But I think everyone's mentioned out there, Adam, that the defence was terrific. And mm. I thought I thought Jason Denier especially was exceptional. Um, I thought that he marshaled Suarez well. He was the sort of last man defence at, at, at times, just when it looked like Barcelona might slide through. It was him that would be in the way. Um, Dubois was excellent. He had that really well-timed uh, challenge in the second half when it looked like uh, I can't quite remember who they almost put through. It might have even been Suarez himself, just in front of um, Lopez. The goalkeeper had an excellent game, had a, a couple of important saves he needed to make. It, maybe we're a little bit disappointed that the attack wasn't a little bit more um, forthright when they had their moments. I thought Depay was pretty poor. I thought that Dembele didn't really get himself into the game. Bertrand Traore was sort of on the, the periphery as well. None of those three really excelled. It was one of those games that was maybe crying out for a Fakir if we had someone like his genius mm. it might have even been an even more special result uh, but yeah I, I, the defense was terrific I, I think the fact that like we're mentioning the people are going oh, oh, Barcelona had 15 shots but only five of those were on target and, it, and in all honesty like I mentioned before that there were a lot of them were sort of from distance uh, Sergio Busquets said that at least two on target that were pretty straightforward even though they're from sort of 25 yards away so if, if he's having the shots on target that mm. you're doing something right they were they were almost doing what other teams have done to them this season which is keeping them outside of the box and it, it sort of nullified their threat completely and that like you say leads to the game at the Camp Nou in a in a few weeks time I think it's about three weeks with it when they play mm. again we get a week off from Europe next week but um They've sort of, at the moment, really, there's, there's no pressure on them to get anything at the Camp Nou. I mean, all the pressure is on Barcelona now. They need to get a result. And if you may be getting Fakir back in this one as well, a little bit of extra creativity and drive, there's, it's not out completely out of the ordinary to say that Leon should really fancy their chances to maybe nick one and if they perform like that again to, to progress. No, absolutely. I would 100% agree with that. You know, I think you're right. There was a certain, there was sort of had little moments, Leon, yesterday where there was the game was a little bit out of balance and they, like I mentioned, Barcelona did sort of won the ball back or managed to play, play the right pass. And there are a few sort of half opportunities on the counter where perhaps um, a, a more on form Memphis Depay or an Abel Fakir playing, playing in the same position would have, would have picked a better pass or been able to, to, you know, you, sort of turn away from his marker a little bit quicker. And you could there were players in space and you felt like there was just a half chance that with the right ball they they, they were in. In a similar way to Barcelona were uh, uh, on a number of occasions, but the, the ch those chances sort of produced themselves for Leon as well. And I, and I would imagine um, with the space that tends to open up at the new camp, you know, with, with Barcelona pushing forward, it's a very, very big pitch. Um, it will be bigger. It's, it's, it's margins. It's more quite small margins from pitch to pitch. But it it, it feels like there's a lot of a lot of space. You can when, when in, in those situations when there's a turnover and you can you can counter. Um, I would back Leon to, to score absolutely. I just whether they can keep Barcelona out sufficiently is 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 open to debate. But I agree. I think there's opportunities for them at the new camp for sure. 
Yeah, I think they can definitely go in there with no fear now, really. There's nothing to lose and no embarrassment being beaten by Barcelona at the Camp Nou. It's pretty much something every team in mm. the world at the moment really expects to do when they go to that ground. So if they can maybe nick something there, because the thing is, is if they, it, it's the strange sort of caveat to the, the European games and away goals is now that Barcelona don't have the ability to get an away goal, one goal for Leon becomes absolutely enormous. It becomes something where if they, even they're defended, then they concede one, then it it makes a it makes a massive difference. So they they have to go in this with with a lot of faith that maybe they can really do it. And if if they do, it will be an absolutely enormous upset. And and another minor upset, I think, more the the quality of the two teams is probably a little bit closer, really. But I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people would have picked Real Betis to go over Ren before the start of their Europa League tie-in. That's changed tonight, really. Adam, a 3-1 victory for Ren. They went up 2-0 as well, which is real positive. And that La Celso goal would have jangled some nerves, I'm sure. Rich is probably still shaking from the game itself and, the, and um, by Niang sealing it at the end as well. We'll sort of come on to Stefan, I suppose, a bit later in our sort of preview for their game at the weekend, really. But sort of stating on this Europa League game, that's six goals in their couple of games there. It's, it's a real positive that they're starting to find some attacking edge even if it is against the side that is a little maybe gung-ho I'm sure um, many many Spanish experts would say the same that Messi's are, are as much likely to concede a goal as they will score one but it's almost unprecedented territory for Ren it, it, for, for a long while and it's great to see them finally getting some success in not just in France where they've, they've been playing reasonably well recently but also in Europe. Yeah, indeed. Um, it's, a, it's a brilliant result. You're absolutely right. It's great to see them, you know, playing well and and punching. I wouldn't say above their weight. I think they sit there. They're a big club. You know, I think Betis are a relatively big club as well. And in in wider historical terms, they're probably pretty equal. But you're right. This Real Betis team are exciting, but uh, definitely and very gung ho. Kike Setien with a very sort of high pressing, aggressive kind of style. Um, that you know that is as sort of as in a similar way to Leon, almost it gets very similar results. So they do well against a slightly bigger size. You know, we mentioned in the previous pod that they beat Barcelona at the new camp earlier this season, but they can be undone by more conservative teams. So um, um, perhaps that kind of played into Ren's hands a little bit. But to 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 win three one at Real Betis in a in a game that Betis took very seriously, you know, out of the Spanish teams left in the Europa League, which obviously Sevilla would take it. You know, that, that it's their competition. But you look at like Villarreal in a relegation fight and. Um, um, who's the other one? I think of Valencia, who you know, who would have preferred to be in Champions League and, and are f- focusing on the league. You know, they better of the Spanish teams really were taking this really seriously. Um, because you know, this there's been a while since they've been in European competition and and it, it was a priority for them. So for Ren to 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 go there and beat them 3-1 and, and play brilliantly in the first leg and 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 be three one up in that leg and unlucky not to win that game is is a real achievement, not just for the for the club's whole, but for Stefan as an individual sort of coach, given how sort of fresh he is as a coach. Um looking at Real Betis is a huge achievement and it's great to see Ren when we were discussing before we just before we came on about that it's good for France in general, you know, the coefficient um can can take a little bit of a beating when PSG the only team doing 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 relatively well in Europe, I suppose. Um but getting red into the last sixteen, you know, get a half decent draw that you know they'll fancy themselves to go go deep into this competition. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think that's maybe the only worry really now is that now they've got through this stage, who do they really want in the next round? I mean mm. The qualifiers this evening are sort of Arsenal, Dinamo, Zagreb. That's that's a team maybe you want to be facing. Frankfurt, 
really playing well in the Bundesliga this season. Napoli, probably the favourites for the whole competition itself. Uh, Red Bull Salzburg have been a real tough side in Europe in the last couple of years. Valencia, yeah, it's always not easy to get a result at the Mestalla, even though they're not quite the power. Like you said, Villarreal, um, not quite doing it in La Liga, really, but a 1-1 result has gotten through um, this evening. Zenit is always tough to go to to Russia as well, always a great club. Krasnodar they got a result against Bayer Leverkusen with, a, with an away goal. They're not the easiest side again because travelling to Russia is such a difficult place and then having to face someone who has beaten a team in Leverkusen who have been much better recently. Benfica, obviously, great European pedigree, a lot of great young players. I caught them tonight because I couldn't find a place to watch Ren, unfortunately, but Xiao uh, Felix looks like a real player for them. Chelsea are through there, despite their troubles under um, Sarri. You never really know how much different they might be in two weeks' time. Uh, Dinamo Kiev, good side as well. Always, again, Ukraine is always a difficult place to go to, and Kiev are always a decent team. Slavia Prague, another side maybe you fancy chances against, but then Inter Milan, really, really tough game. It, it's great to see Ren go through, but Given that maybe you would say 90% of those draws you would be unfavourable, um, can you see Ren progressing much further than the next round? Um, uh, yeah, I, I think I could. I, I could. I can see them making the quarterfinals. Like, as you said, there were some teams that you would fancy them against there. And I think that a number of the teams that you mentioned um, are in a similar position to Real Betis in terms of quality, and, and we didn't expect Ren necessarily to beat Real Betis. And I think the Europa League as well is a funny competition because at, at this stage, motivations are still a little bit up in the air. You know, some teams, some countries traditionally don't, like Italy, for example, traditionally don't focus on Europa League and tend to tend to play weakened sides. And some teams are in certain positions where they're at this stage, you know, they've got European um, aspirations in the league, you know, maybe they're chasing a Champions League spot or Villarreal's case, they're fighting against relegation. So for, uh, when it gets to sort of the quarterfinals, semifinals, obviously then it starts to heat up, but we're still in that sort of period where there are teams that perhaps, um, uh, you know, there's there's a, there's a bit of a sort of caveat to their, their participation in the competition at the moment. So I think Ren could benefit from that to some extent. Um, so, I, yeah, I think if they get a decent draw, then I, I think that a number of those teams are, are susceptible to the, to the style that they used against Betis. And, and you know, I think maybe we underestimate Ren a little bit because if you look at, if you look, when we're looking through their team and, and perhaps those outside France might might feel the same about sort of players like Hatton Ben Arfa, Clement Grenier, Ishmael Assar, obviously, was, was uh, at the World Cup with Senegal. You know, they're players that are of, of genuine European quality in their team. And, when you compare the, the first eleven to other first 11s that you just mentioned, although perhaps more illustrious names, maybe the this quality of those teams isn't that superior to Ren. So, yeah, I, I think if they, I'd back them to, if they don't get one of the real big sides, I'd back them to, to to get to the next round for sure. Yeah, I think it's fingers crossed. No Napoli, isn't it? I think more. Yeah. Than, I think that's the one that you definitely yeah. want to try and avoid. On to midweek Liga action because we did have some games in the midweek and Paris Saint-Germain got another comfortable win that extends their lead to 15 points at the top. It, it, maybe a little bit of a misnomer really in this one that it was 5-1 because for a time it was 1-1 and at the same time a lot of those goals were pretty fortunate although I maybe see PSG powering at the end and Angel Di Maria scored an absolute stunner of a free kick really if you haven't seen it there's always YouTube highlights for Liga um, in English as well so do catch it it's a terrific strike really but Paris Saint-Germain going guns to guns isn't really the story I wanted to talk about about PSG, Adam, because there was something else that's cropped up on our news feed earlier today. And it is about uh, one-to-way man, Adrian Rabiel. Um, he sacked his agent, 
reportedly today, which, as many pointed out, that's his own mother because the Barcelona offer is supposedly changing by the minute. They're supposedly saying to him now that essentially their offer's off the table. He will need to sort of come back to them to do that, and that's obviously annoyed him. And we've mentioned a few times that maybe his mother was getting in the way of sort of furthering his career, and that sort of changed at the moment. But it adds to a sort of extra spin to this this story that's been going with him and PSG all season long that um, Tuchel's wanted him back. Does he want to go back? Is his mother advising him not to try and, and push for anything to try and return to the first team? Has she stopped him from getting the contract he wanted? Is his own attitude stopped? It's <laughs> taking an extra twist and turn as he sort of is heading out the exit door. Yeah, it's, it's such a bizarre situation, and um, <laughs> it must be an interesting conversation to sack your own mum. I don't know how I, uh, how I would uh, go, how I go about handling that conversation. So, fair play uh, for for even having the the guts to do that, because his mum's quite an imposing figure as well. So, um, um, yeah, I think the Rabia situation is a bizarre one because you sort of mentioned there with uh, Thomas Tuchel, and I think it's pretty clear that Thomas Tuchel wants him back in the team. And it, the, the reason he's been left out of the squad is a sort of decree from upon high, if you like. You know, this is a QSI um, sort of board level decision rather than Thomas Tuchel's decision. And if it was up to him, he'd be in the team and he'd be playing until the end of the season. Um, whether that's a good idea, it's very difficult to know whether he would be giving 100%, whether he'd be focusing on a move, whether he would be playing for a move. You know, it's very difficult to know how what impact he'd have. But <clears throat> given the, the, the lack of... Um, signings in the, in the window that, that Thomas Tucker wanted. Okay, they got Paredes, but they wanted two midfielders and to lose one. And then obviously, um, uh, Lasana Diara's contract was was cancelled uh, yesterday or the day before. Mm. Um, um, he wasn't playing and he'd been out of the team and he was injured recently. And, you know, and he's a solid enough option for, for Ligon in, in, in that position. So they're pretty thin on the ground there. So um, I think there's an opportunity for, for him to have an impact. But it seems that uh, reports suggest that Tuchel has gone to the, the owners and said he wants him back and they've they've denied him that opportunity. So um it seems like he's going to be sitting sitting out for 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 the rest of the season. And it's just a, a very unusual situation. There was sort of thing uh, news about him being excluded from the squad and him wanting to train with the team and, and him being him being back coming back to the training ground but training away and on his own. Um it's a very unusual situation. It'd be I think though for him I it's it comes down to his sort of the sense of entitlement that saw him sort of lose lose a little bit of well lose not, I wouldn't say lose control but lose his cool over not being selected for the World Cup and you know there was sort of you know I, it was almost like I play for PSG I should be in the team um, there's a little bit of that with the Barcelona move because would he get into their side I don't know I don't I don't, I don't think so I mean is he better than even Rakitic probably not um, and there's you know the issue with Spurs like Spurs were clearly wanted him and he sort of sort of turn him down he sort of there's a feeling that he sort of thinks they're a bit beneath him which I think I don't know I think I think that's a little bit sort of that sense of entitlement coming through again I think that's his main issue um but whether he manages to find a new agent and then the new agent can sort of get hold of him a little bit I don't know but yeah it's an interesting situation with him and it'd be interesting to see where he's playing in football next season yeah I think I know some in Barcelona think that Rakitic might be moving on which feels mm. strange to me because I still think he he does a really good job and, and you add in that Frankie de Jong's going there as well obviously yeah. in the summer that they, they've maybe already spent the money because he's on a big contract as well they've already got Artur there as well he's great fit, he's a great player yeah, and you've got to fit Coutinho in you've got to you've still got Sergio Busquets as the sort of defensive midfielder is he going to get the game time he really wants it's, it's the not. tough one and then mm. like you say he's, he's burnt the bridges of 
Tottenham. I, I mentioned it before. I, I have a f- I have a worry for him that if he doesn't something doesn't change dramatically, it feels a little bit like the Max Meyer situation at Schalke last season that he ended up at Crystal Palace. Yeah. So uh, no disparage to them, but it's not quite the level he was thinking about in the in the uh, sort of January window at least. Anyway, so uh, let's hope he doesn't turn that. Out. And that you've mentioned briefly as well, Adam. Uh, Credit to Lasana Diora for a fantastic career as well. He's, he has sort of announced his retirement after the cancellation of that contract as well. Um, so fantastic career for him. I think we all sort of saw at PSG that um, he, it was maybe sort towards the end and he had a lot of injuries this mm. season as well. And, and towards the end of last season, he sort of was the stopgap, wasn't he, really, when they needed someone in the Champions League for defensive midfield. But um, he, he was excellent at Marseille. He was excellent at, but I remember when he sort of first came onto our, our, our screens, really, more at Portsmouth from memory. Um, he had a couple of little brief appearances, didn't he, for Arsenal and Chelsea, but Portsmouth was where he got the start and was great for Real Madrid as well. So congrats to him and uh, I enjoy re- retirement hopefully for him but uh I don't think we really need to talk about much of the game and, and we'll, we'll skip over the other game as well mm. Bordeaux and Gangon finish nil-nil it is not much to write home about unless you're Nolan Roos going over the bar from a couple of yards out and also uh, Jan Caramo joining back in the squad after a, a shall we say turbulent couple of weeks where his attitude has, has been in question and maybe another young player that's going in the wrong direction. Let's go mm-hmm. to league and fixtures that are happening this weekend then because there's some great ones heading into it and looking first at Friday where Strasbourg will be hosting Lille which a couple of weeks ago would have been a really intriguing game given how Strasbourg were in January but it's gently sort of gone away a little bit in February. Adam, they lost 2-1 to Angers at the start of February and we mentioned how oh, mentioned a couple of times how much they've improved really over the last couple of weeks. They lost to Saint-Étienne the week after that and then they only could manage a nil-nil draw at Lolicon who can't really get a it was the first point they'd got in the whole of 2019 so it tells you exactly what really that result had been. What's really happened in the last couple of weeks? Has that semi-final... It's ever been since that semi-final they won against Bordeaux to get to the Coupe de la Ligue final. Has their focus sort of shifted a little bit over the last couple of weeks and they've taken their eye off the prize? Yeah, perhaps. I think I think the three games that you've mentioned over the, the, the last... Well, in February, aren't they, all three of them? I, I think, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's definitely an element of easing back a little bit on the throttle, maybe subconsciously. Um, just because they're favourites to win that that the the um, the uh, Coupe de la Ligue, you know, against Gangol in the final, they they they, they should win that, and that's a, a huge uh, achievement for them, given you know their their sort of rise from the fifth division when they they sort of nearly went out of business and dropped down the leagues and fought their way back. Um, obviously, I, they were a trophy winner in the last decade, I think, in 2008. They won a cup, perhaps, maybe a bit earlier than that. But um, you know, they're they're a big team. But to, to to sort of round that comeback off with a with a trophy win is massive, and that's obviously something that's very difficult to get away from, given given the the the, the story over the last few years. So I think there's an element of that. But also, I think um, it's also caveated by the fact that those three games are more difficult than perhaps we're giving them credit for. The the, the draw of Con <clears throat> is frustrating, but Con are the type of team that can, uh, although they're, you know, I, I personally think they're going to get relegated, but they got, they can, they can frustrate. And although Strasbourg are what third top scorers in the league, I think this year, you know, um, a nil-nil draw away at Con at the start of the season would have been seen as a re- relatively decent result. So it's not too, too difficult and too, not too bad, I suppose. And um, that came four days after the trip to Sinetti, you know, playing two away games in four days is 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 tough and. Um, narrow defeats to Angers and and uh, and 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 Sinetian is nothing to be ashamed of. And you know the Angers game was a little bit um, 
a little bit of a little bit anonymous, even though Ange are brilliant, and that's the type of thing that Mulan does brilliant well. We discussed it previously on the pod, but two was it two goals from Wilfred Kanga? That's something that you, given that you know that he missed that open goal that you thought he mentioned. It's brilliant, a brilliant classic Mulan and classic Ange, but it's one of those things that you it was I don't know there was much they could they could do. It just feels like that's what Ange just do, and Strasbourg were just their victims this time. Um, and I think as well, injuries have been a bit of an issue. You know, Jonas Martin has been fantastic this season, pretty much ever present in the league, um, but has missed, what, the last six games with injury. And he, he was starting to run that midfield. He was consistently great um, throughout the season. And without him, you know, Shanjin Perkic has come in and he's a, he's a you know, he's, he was at Wren and he's, he knows the league, but he's not of the same quality. And and there's, a, there's sort of a little bit of a, a drop off there. And even like, you know, Kenny Lala missed that game at Sinetien, who's been really important for them this season. And, you know, one or two, Dimitri Lina's been injured. A number of players have sort of had little games out. And the two games in that in the week, they rested a couple of players. You know, Ojoke and Matiba didn't play out front together for either of those, Sinetien or Kong games. So I think there's a few little things. And I still think they're playing relatively well. It's just a combination of factors conspired to see them sort of lose some intensity. And they've sort of just, they just slipped just below the threshold that they'd sort of been performing above, if you like, for the rest of the year. So I wouldn't be worried if I were them. Um, if, when you look at the table there, what on what ninth with 36 points, and then you've got Nice and 37, Rons and Montpellier and 38, and Marseille and and Sinetian in fourth and fifth and 40. So they're only four points off fourth. So I think they're, they're still in it, and it's, it's just a frustrating sort of mini blip for them. And I, I think they'll be fine. And now they'll they'll uh, what, especially once they get that final out of the way, which is still a little way to go. Um, that they'll they'll stay in the Europa League race right until the end, I think. Yeah, I think because there's sort of an accumulation of teams, isn't it? Like you just mm. mentioned, I mean, there's still Neiman Ren below them that are on yeah. the exact same points as well. So you can go from uh, with the results going their way, they could be sixth at the end of the weekend, or they could be sort of eleventh or closer to twelfth at the end of the weekend. Mm. It could be very strange. And like you say, just just a player, a couple of players cooling off really as well. Lebo Matiba's not really scored in for the last couple of games. Hasn't been quite as electric. They've not they're still creating chances as well in the, you see in the highlights that they're, they're still making things happen they're just not really finishing things off and combine that with maybe a couple of difficult games and the, they've got a couple of runs but the unfortunate thing for them is they run into a difficult game as well but at the same time it, Lille over the sort of February time in, in Ligue 1 at least they've won two games against Nice and, and Gangomp, which isn't really too impressive. They were pretty they were pretty unfortunate really against Montpellier. They had a fair few chances, but it's another one of those games where they just couldn't quite find the killer blow to to get them another win. And they're still in a, a comfortable position in the league. They're still sitting another four points above Lyon and, and plenty of points above Marseille. But at the same time with those kind of teams behind you, and especially the the things that have happened to Lille in the recent past, they'll they'll want to keep the foot on the gas, and they've got terrific strikers. There's there's no worry of them really going on a, a run to to put this excellent first two thirds of a season, you should say, to to a to a wrong end, would it? No, I don't think so. I think especially with Leon's continued involvement in the Champions League. All right, there's might only be one game. But um, I think that that will continue to divert the focus a little bit for them. And I just think that Christoph Gauti is too, too astute of a coach to let the, his team slip in terms of intensity. Um, uh, we saw at Sinetien that he managed, that was kind of his thing. Like he managed to he managed to be consistent and get the best out of minimal resources. Well, he's got quite a lot of resources now and he's still maintaining this consistency. Now he's got his feet under the table. And he's got some players in that he wanted over the summer after keeping them up last year. He's 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 doing he's doing the same thing he did with Sinetian, but 
perhaps in a less competitive, well, not less competitive, but maybe they're one of the, one of the better sides, but than Sinetian were when they were trying to get into the Champions League. But he's doing a very similar job in terms of consistency and in terms of um, results. Um, so I would imagine that he, he is, he is um, wily enough to keep his team focused and keep them sort of ploughing ahead. You know, they, they're they probably not going to... I know obviously out of the Coupe de Ligue, are they, I don't know if they're still in the Coupe de France. I don't think they are. They might be. Um, I can't remember the top of my head who's in the quarterfinals, but um, they, I, the league is their focus for the rest of the year. And there are a number of teams in the league and have other focuses, like we mentioned, Strasbourg, Lyon, Rennes, PSG, and, and Lille are not one of them. You know, finishing second would be a huge, huge thing for them. And I think that 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 prize will, will keep them focused and, and and definitely keep Christoph Gautier focused. And, you know, with Nicola Pepe in any sort of form, you know, that you'd fancy him to, to win most games in, in this league. And, you know, uh, especially with the amounts of Rafa Liao, who's been absolutely fantastic in the last couple of months, um, that there's, there, there are still a developing side, if you like, you know, Jonathan Iconian, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Bamba, um, forming that sort of trident with, uh, with Pepe as well, they're 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 a team that are still on the up. They're still on this upward curve, although they've had a little bit of uh, frustrate. They had a frustrating game at Montpellier, who 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 are a team designed to frustrate. Um, I don't. I wouldn't be too worried about that. They they smashed uh, Nice really four 0 That was excellent, and and you know Tuna win at Gangon as well is all right at the bottom of the league, but a two 0 away win in 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 Liga is 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 nothing to be sniffed at. So. I think they're still on that upward curve, and I would back Christophe Gautier to maintain their consistency, as he's proven that he can uh, until the end of the year. I think their favourite is to finish second. You know, the four-point gap, more consistent than Leon, perhaps with Pepe in this form, they've got they've got the one the best player outside Paris in the league at the moment, and um, I'd, I'd back him to sort of be able to unlock any of the defences below them. So yeah, I, I I'd, I'd say that they're still on that upward curve. It'd be interesting to see what happens next season if if changes are made and Pepe leaves and. They, you know, they, they they don't necessarily replace him. That'll be interesting to see how that goes. But I think for this year, they they should be you know keep that intensity going for the rest of the season. Yeah, I, th- I think there's it's not just the worry there, is it? I, I, I worry that if Leao goes as well, if he carries on this mm. kind of form and, and someone sneaks in a, a big enough offer to tempt Lille to sell both of them because obviously financial issues might come into play because the NCG may force their hand more than anything and wonder why they're not selling players um, for good prices when they when they obviously still need the cash as well, as we saw with uh, Balotori going as well. But, um, yeah, they, they can be great to watch. I, I don't know. I, I just... Uh, well, I hope for one thing that Galtier doesn't listen to Jose Mourinho like he might have done at, um, at the weekend who, who was in attendance. But hopefully he ignores his advice, at least anyway, of, of maybe turning it down a notch if anything really but uh, yeah it's funny you mentioned like they say the Nice game was really impressive that they won 4-0 and then you go and the, the week the week after that Leo, uh, Nice obviously went to win at Lyon and you think oh that really confirms how excellent Lyon were and how much they they absolutely tore them apart and proved that Nice is such a difficult team to break down and then they lose three and they're like oh shit they were and you think well, is that a misnomer or is that just that is Nice sort of flip-flopping it it, it, it sort of leads you to question bits but yeah it just feels like at the moment at least for Lille they, they've not got a, a particularly difficult set of games after this one if they can get a result here um, they've got Dijon at home which is a surefire banker really and Santetti in a way isn't it shouldn't be out of their wheelhouse at least anyway Monaco at home depending on what Monaco turns up they've still got PSG and, and Leon away sort of towards May time at least anyway but they have to be favourites don't they and they have to be favourites in this game as well I'd, I'd think Adam but what do you think the score will be um, I think this would be I think there'll be goals 3-2 uh, Lille 
Uh, I, I'm feeling a 2-1 Lille. I think, it, like I say, it's, I'm a little bit worried that Strasbourg might just take their eyes off the ball for European competition, at least anyway, with so many teams around there, a couple of results going wrong and everyone else winning would uh, take them out of the race. But let's hope not. On to things towards the, the bottom of the table now. And um, two sides that... Uh, oh, oh. I think saying any kind of form on them at the moment is, is maybe a little bit unfair because Toulouse are hosting Colin, like we mentioned, the, the away side, they dropped into the, the bottom two at the weekend um, after their nil-nil draw. It wasn't quite enough to, to stave off all the teams rising above them. And they've had a pretty dreadful um, season so far, and it's been pretty bad ever since the turn of the year as well. They've only um, got one point out of a possible um well, I think it's 15 available altogether. Yeah, it's not a great run for them. They lost against Norton, who were in terrible form as well for, for obvious circumstances. They lost to Amiens, who were a team that realistically they should be looking to pick up points against. And this is another one looking at their games they have next, because after this one, they've got Leon in the cup. They've got Paris Saint-Germain, Rennes, Saint-Étienne, Monaco. Um, Nîmes, if you go even further, Nîmes-Angers, who are both in good form at the moment, it, <laughs> it looks like they need something from this game to, if they want to stand any chance of staying up this season, doesn't it? Yeah, it's getting in that direction. And when you mention those that that run of fixtures, and you know, well, we're what twenty five games in, that means they've they've had they've had easier games that they haven't picked up points from, which 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 is you know is worrying from their point of view. And I think I, I just think that. They're, they in the classic in the classic sort of league and set uh, teams you know league and sense i guess like the, the the classic dynamic that you have in the bottom half of the table and that they're solid enough but they just don't score goals and um they're they're sort of raft of of not necessarily wayward but typically <clears throat> not very not very clinical strikers and and uh, they sort of collect them and and, and and they just seem to be struggling to to score the goals that that would win those games. You know the the the, the draw we mentioned with with Strasbourg is a classic example. Being being nil nil, um, you know perhaps that's a game they might have snuck a, a one nil win in previous years. But um, Enzo Cavalli's never really scored goals inconsistently at league, and he's sort of been around a bit with Bordeaux and and Angers and Yassine Bamou is isn't perhaps. Uh, the most clinical of strikers, either more of a winger, even a number ten. Sometimes I've I've heard people refer to. Him, I don't think he's going to be scoring you to double figures a season. Casimir Ningas the same. He was an odd, you know, addition from Montpellier and never really scored goals, and is more of a winger. Claudio Bovu's get got past thirty now, and and you know really fell out of favour at Celta Vigo, although he did a well did all right in league and previously, and they just they just haven't got that that. The, the the type of player they can rely on to even get them sort of eight goals and ten goals a season and and that might end up being a downfall and they've missed opportunities to win games like that Strasbourg game far too often and now they've got this run of fixtures. I'm sort of I'm sort of thinking that the, the bottom two is almost kind of done. I, I mentioned on the previous part I think everyone above to lose and twenty seven points will be fine. I think Monaco will be fine. And then Amion with Canate, if they can keep Canate and Godos fit and, and, and playing well together, then they'll be okay as well. We just leave Dijon, Con and Gangon. And I think Dijon um, are just better than the other two. And Kambare is a, uh, an astute coach. He's done done well at, at clubs in similar positions. And I, I, I just don't know. I don't see Con or Gangon finishing higher than 18th. Um, 
and then with and Dijon would be the only the only club I'd be thinking could get sucked in, and I I, I don't think they will. So I, I kind of feel like the two the bottom two are sort of slipping away already, and you're at, with that run of fixtures, it, it sort of it sort of adds to that feeling, unfortunately. Yeah, I think we mentioned a few weeks ago that. Con's game against Nantes felt like one of those ones where it's a home game. Mm. It's, the, it's, the, it's a chance for them to maybe nick one of those wins like they do that keeps them the head above water. And to lose that more than anything um, might be really the final nail in the coffin, really. Because again, for like you mentioned, for Gangomp as well, I felt like that that chance for Nolan Rue in midweek was just... Mm. If that goes in, you'd think, well, maybe Gangamp have a chance with it. They're missing that. And the game, run of games they've got future, they've got Angers at the weekend, who are in terrific form. It's not ideal for them either. But at the same time, while Con have been pretty awful, really, and a, a hodgepodge of, of Liga and talent, they've got Toulouse at the weekend, which gives them their only slight ray of hope because they've not been very good either, really, in the last mm. couple of months or so. Looking back sort of through January, yes, they got a win away from Nîmes, which were, which was good, and they've been on a good run of form. But especially February, they, they were pretty unlucky against Monaco, you could say, in that 2-1 defeat. But to that end, they were maybe a little bit lucky against Ras a couple of weeks ago to get a 1-1 draw. They, they, they played a, a Bordeaux side that are really uninspired at the moment, really, and, and still managed to lose 2-1. But has this come at a favourable time for them to get a game? They've got Gangomp in a couple of weeks as well. Like you say, you feel like on 27 points, they feel pretty much safe. But a, a win here practically guarantees it, surely, doesn't it? Yeah, you'd imagine so. 30 points, maybe a 10-point gap to the bottom three, maybe a 12-point gap to the bottom two. Yeah, if they win this game, that is. And yeah, I, I think so. I think they just have the quality that those teams below them don't have, Monaco aside. Um, and they're just there's a couple of things that are sort of holding them back. I think Casanova's management is 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 a little bit unpredictable. And and he I, I think he's a little bit too conservative in his team selection a lot of the time, um, especially in, in midfield. But they... They just have the quality that, like, from Max Gradle, Con would 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 love a player of Max Gradle's quality. Um, he he would he would probably be the difference between them finishing in the bottom two or not. Um, and, and Gradle really has carried Toulouse at, at times this season. But they have they have, if you, if you look behind him, you know, players like Matthew Deserve got double figures of assists from Mets last season. Okay, he's not been brilliant this season, but he started to pick up form in the last couple of months. Um, Ibrahim Isamkara has been really, really good this year, aside from that injury. Um, and even in midfield behind him, you know, Jimmy Dermaz is a Swedish international. Manu Garcia is a very talented young player, was very good in Holland last year, part of the Manchester City um, Academy. I think John Bostock's been good when he's been given a chance, but Casanova doesn't fancy him, I heard, because he doesn't put too much effort in training, which, which seems a little bit counterproductive, given that, for the most part, when he plays, Toulouse play much better. Um uh, but they just they just have but they just have the quality that those teams don't and I, I think that um this is the type of game that because of that quality because they've got goals in their team because they've got more control in midfield because they've got uh, when Christoph Julian isn't isn't playing terribly and he's been much better in the last couple of months they've got a relatively stoic defense um th this is the type of game that they would win and Con would lose because Con don't have those things about their team and it's just very it's fine margins as is the case at this level but um, it's 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 a classic matchup between a team just good enough to stay up and Con, who are just not good enough to stay up, and and it was I have a feeling it'll fall into Lose's direction for that for those reasons. 
Yeah, and there's a there's a couple of teams in this bottom half of the table that uh, I'm saying above sort of the those five that were sort of in the relegation scrap. I'd say though that three block of Toulouse, Nantes, and, and Bordeaux, and I'm going to give Nantes a bit of a a break because a they they lost a, a a big goal scorer regardless of of the tragedy that happened, and obviously the the surplus of that is that it's really affected the team as well, and mm. can't really blame that. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a pass, but Toulouse and Bordeaux this season have been atrocious. I think at times <laughs> they really have. I mean, they both need to have a look inwards and have a look at the managers that they have in charge. I mean, because they both have real talents on their team, and like you mentioned, Grudel and Jimmy Dermaz are really good players on their day. Um, I'm not really convinced by Yaya Sanogo, but they've allowed Toribo yeah. to go as well. Obviously, he looked like a real talent. And they've just sort of allowed him to waltz out the door. And Bordeaux, they've got Caramo, they've got um, Francois Ca- uh, um, yeah, Camino, and uh, they've even got Josh Madger now as well as yeah. an extra striker. They had some really interesting midfielders, but they never used them. Both of them are really, really bad to watch at times this season. I mean, I don't, I don't really want to advise anyone watching <laughs> either the not Bordeaux game or the Toulouse Con game at the weekend, because I don't think any of them will keep you awake on on Sunday afternoon after maybe a little bit of a Sunday lunch. So uh, yeah. maybe try and avoid those two. But yeah. they they both really need to have a big look at the summer and think where they want to be direction wise, because neither of their bo- the people in charge of those clubs are are really creating either entertaining or exciting football. And really, next season, if teams come up that are the similar, if we lose. Conan Gamgomp, for for example, and we gain teams that have the ambition of Nemo or, or the the great strategic nonsense, even goals now that we have at RAS, then mm. those two are going to be in real, real, real trouble, regardless of, of what talent they have on in, in the extra final of the field. But we, unfortunately, we do need a prediction on this game, really, Adam. And I know it's, it's maybe not the most exciting one, but what do you think the score will be in this one? Uh, I think 2 0 to lose. I'm going slightly less favourably. So I'm saying one nil to lose it. I'm going to say they even score it in the like 89th minute with maybe <laughs> just a sort of. I'm going to go now 89th minute Max Langrell penalty. That's pretty much yeah. the only way to lose a score this season. So yeah. let's keep that moment going. Uh, on to more exciting games. Really on. So there's two crackers to to finish the weekend, and we start with um, our Europa League favourites, Ren taking on Marseille, and and in the away side have been. Much better in the last couple of weeks. We we've sort of beyond the their first half of 2019 from sort of November, well, even from November really, late November onwards, they were pretty dreadful. But they've got three wins under their belts now. I mean, admittedly, Bordeaux, Dijon, and Amiens aren't going to exactly strike the fear into the hearts of anyone. But the most important thing is they're getting back on form, they're scoring goals, and most importantly, Mario Balotelli is getting them. Yes, he is, and I think that's it's kind of been a difference. Um, since he's come in, it's not only has he been scoring goals. I thought he's, I, I actually watched their game from the weekend uh, against Amiens this morning, and his goal was fantastic. The way he sort of hits the, on the turn, the ball comes into him, he controls it, and like, almost before he's turned, he sort of hits it uh, uh, on the turn and, and very very quickly and he catches Regis Gutner out. And um, I think that the way he he interacts with with Tuvan and the way he he got. I know he, he's famous for sort of getting frustrated and throwing his arms up in the air and, you know, looking like he's not like he's, you know, he's he's, frustra- he's sort of frustrated with teammates and exasperated. But I think the way that he was interacting with the, with the team, it, it looked like he was, you know, engaged and, um, you know, invested in, in what Marseille are trying to do. And 
I think he's given the whole team um, a bit of a lease of life, you know, a bit of a boost coming in. They they've sort of figured out how to get the best out of him for now. He's you know he's he's scoring goals and playing well, and he he looks like he's he's building a decent relationship with the fans and and, and his teammates and the the team as a whole seems to have clicked a little bit because with Marseille there was sort of a big however critical we were of them and we were pretty critical of them on on the pod over the course of the year and deservedly so they've been pretty pretty poor at times and they they, they their philosophy seems to be give it to Piat and Tuvan and hope they can win us the game and and that's still quite sort of the case um. But it just seems to have, it's a coalesce with Balotelli because there's a big hole up front. I was as I was sort of started to mention with 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 Mitroglou and Jaman and and G and you know none of those players really fit as a, as a lone striker playing him as a two didn't really work and it opened up opened up in midfield. But with Balotelli, they they have already made um, the sort of quintessential uh second striker who does all the running for Balotelli that Alassane Player did for a long time at Nice in, in Germain and he plays that role really well and since Balotelli's coming to the team he Germain has actually been really pretty good and um, not necessarily threatening goal uh, on goal but he's uh, got for a lot of work he's been he's been industrious um, and, and pressing and 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 played a really really good support role and the it means that Florian Tuvan's been given a little bit more space and a little bit there's been a little bit more interplay between the three of them and if they can get Pyatt back and playing and Gustavo's been injured for a couple of times then, then you know maybe the the, the ideas that Garcia had uh, when they were playing well at the start of 2018 of January February when Tuvan was really on form um can sort of start to coalesce again and you know they're, they're fortunate in that the rest of the league hasn't got away from them somehow they're still fourth i, I i'm amazed that they're, they're still fourth and only six points behind leon given how poor they've been but the the team is starting to sort of come together again and balotelli seems to be the catalyst for that and there are just to while we're while we're sort of uh talking about it, i just wanted to mention bubaha kamara who's started the last seven games and has, it's been a little bit up and down but he's been really really good and he's sort of got Rolando so dropped Rolando out of the team and Dujay Kletasharu, who'd been, I thought, pretty terrible when he played up until that point. He's formed a good partnership with with Kamara in the last three games. And, and Jordan Amavi looks more confident and uh, when he'd been really, pretty bad this season. And he's got back into the team and is playing well. And it just seems that they're sort of starting to come together again. Maxine Lopez is another really good example. He started the last eight games when he was sort of in and out of the team and his form wasn't great. But he's been fantastic in the last few weeks. He passes so intelligently in midfield. And I just think it's sort of starting to come together for them. And it looks like Balotelli's sort of been a bit of a lease of life for the club. And hopefully that can continue. Yeah, hopefully that he's sort of all conjuling together isn't it the mm. fact that they're they're playing more consistently they're getting better results the players are, are playing for each other and, uh, uh, the thing will be for them is this is probably going to be a big test looking at the games after this Saint-Étienne Nice Paris Saint-Germain as well this is the sort of section of the season which is going to be important to them and whether they can really chase down a Champions League place or not really, because I mean, especially that Bordeaux game, they were <laughs> they were handed that one almost, and the Dijon one, they maybe got out of jail a little bit, but they were much better against uh, Amiens. And like you say, the the relationship Balotelli seems to be doing. Or if you've not seen it already, and um, those at home, uh, Tovan scores the first goal for for Marseille. It, it seems to have pulled a muscle at least anyway. Initially, sort of hobbling on that thigh after he scores the goal, um, but does carry on playing. He seems okay after a couple of little bits of running around, and then um, as Balotelli scores his goal, his celebration is to. Uh, emulate his friends um similar pull of, of a muscle really in there have a nice little bit of a joke about that so it's it's good to see the relationship starting to build there and like you say oh, i much prefer balotelli in that style of being more instinctive and, and a, mm. a more um lethal striker at that and they, the only problem really for 
um, the good feeling that Marseille have is they're facing a, a Ren side that we said after a bit of a, a blip in January, they maybe needed to see how they got on. And, and admittedly, last time in Liga, they lost 2-0 to Raz. But at the moment, that's nothing to shake a stick at. They're a really difficult team to come against. But other than that, wins against Saint-Étienne, against Amiens, against Lille in the Cup. They've obviously qualified through the Europa League, which is going to be a huge boost to them morale-wise and, and a proof that um, the hope we had for Julian Stefan, which was going to be that how would his team react to adversity? And that's not just through the league, but also through the Europa League now as well. And this is maybe the sort of accumulation of that completely because uh, victory here, and it's difficult to say that Stefan is really the man that Ren want for the rest of the future and someone they can allow to shape their, their club for years to come. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely, you know, it's going in that direction. I'm honestly surprised that he hasn't been, you know, given that responsibility already. And I think they've, they've kind of stumbled across something at Ren. Perhaps they weren't expecting with what, how well he's done and, you know, the, the astute management he's, he's sort of portraying as, uh, as, as, as head coach. And, I feel like you know there isn't a better option out there than than him. So I, I would hope that they they invest in his future and he could be an exciting young French coach for for years to come. He's and he, he, as he's already proven, he's capable of being. So I think yeah, for them then that that they they should invest in him. And it'd be really interesting to see where they end up finishing in the, in the league overall. And even if they beat Marseille, if they beat Marseille here, they're they're a point behind them. They'll be on they'll be on thirty nine points and and Marseille on 40, but I think that they may, you know, Ren may sort of struggle with their continued involvement in the Europa League. That's traditionally been something that, for especially for younger sides, and they're not as young as they were, you know, with Ben Arthur coming in and Garenia there now, uh, less, a bit more experienced, but traditionally sides like Bordeaux and Sanetian in particular have, have struggled with that sort of duality of playing both competitions. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage to handle the both, but that's another sort of feather in Stefan Stefan's cap that they've they've managed to handle it relatively well so far under his sort of tutelage. So, um, yeah, I think for they 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 should really should focus on on investing in in Stefan's future because I think they've you know they might have stumbled across stumbled across someone um, that that could be a, a real sort of turning point for them and and that they perhaps didn't expect and they should they should they should you know they should go for it. And I think he's a he's a really interesting coach and 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 sort of really. Uh, has potential to be, you know, the best coach for sort of French of this generation of young young French coaches, and which, of which there aren't loads, to be honest. And um, so, yeah, I, I think he's the man for them, and they should they should realise that. Absolutely. And, uh, and thinking about the things he's done so far, bringing Boris Joe back into the fold has obviously been a real success. He, he someone surprisingly sort of ostracised a couple of times under under former management. He's getting performances out of him by Niang, which I never thought would be potentially possible with what we've seen previously of him in, in Liga. Having Hannah Tembanafa there is a, an X factor. It just maybe needs in the summer a, a, a consistent striker. Unless he can turn Jordan Sipacho into a regular Liga and goal scorer. If he can find someone like that in the summer instead, a really complete sort of team. They've got a decent defence. The Players that are playing for them now, you're looking at um, players like Zafan, uh, who obviously um, uh, scored a goal the other week as well for the first time in the longest time. He's got Ben Sabaini playing a little bit more for him as well. Uh, just feels like they, they won two more players and they're not far off from being a really competitive team in Liga and even for Champions League places next season. But I, I'm really excited about this game. I think this could be a really entertaining one. But Adam, what do you think the score will be? I'm... Um, Ren at home, aren't they? Um, mm. two, two each, I think. 
I'm going for exciting as well. Yeah, <laughs> literally read my mind. I, I think I'm going to go for a two-all draw as well. It it just feels like both sides are, are capable of scoring, and it's a it's going to be a really exciting game if you can catch it. On to the final one of the weekend, and what would usually be a barnstormer, but. Uh, you may have said it wouldn't down a couple of weeks ago, but now a couple of weeks further on in the future. And all of a sudden it's a, an interesting competitive game again because Monaco have uh, sort of accosted. They've got seven points out of their last nine now. They, they've lifted themselves out of the drop zone and a win here would really start putting some distance between them and that relegation fight that they've been stuck in. And we've mentioned how good they've been on, on, on Monday's podcast and against the Leon side that do sometimes play down to competition, but at the same time, would you play down to a Monaco side? It's, it adds a little bit of an extra to it, but but Monaco at the moment under Jardim, with everyone starting to get fit now as well, uh, Adam, and with the likes of Martins obviously contributing quite a bit in his first couple of games as well, and, and Golovin finding his feet as well, now he's fully fit and, and under Jardim instead of Henri, they just starting to look more like the side we expected to, even though they are still getting a couple of rubbers of the green and they're not quite there yet. They're getting closer. Yeah, absolutely. They are, they are getting there. I think, um, I think the, the return of Jardim is, is key. He should never have been sort of, I don't know if he was sacked, but sort of, you know, parted company with, um, he, he is he's proven a master at gelling, uh, a disparate group of players together and producing, you know, excellent results eventually um over you know i just think they were they, they, they acted a little bit hastily and he would have sort of found his way eventually and i think with monaco and um, i don't know if i mentioned previously but um on the pod but i, I they, they've used 49 players in all competitions this season which is just really quite something obviously that's sort of caveated by injuries and and two managers and and you know transfers in and out which have been pretty extensive but it, it shows that they've they've been kind of all over the place this year but it's starting to coalesce again under Jardim and I think the thing that's interesting for me with Monaco at the moment is sort of above Jardim and um the 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 removal of of or the departure of Adam Vasiliev who was their their vice president and um Dimitri Oboliev the the owner who um you know bought a large stake in the club whether in Ligue 2 and, and he brought in Vasiliev pretty soon after and when they were still in Ligue 2 and and, you know, together they got them promoted and obviously went on to win the league in less than five years, which is, you know, extremely impressive. And um, uh, it, it seemed a little bit rash to to act so swiftly and so sort of broadly in 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 getting rid of, of Vasiliev, given that he'd, he'd sort of uh, on had gone and Michael Emanalo's future was was is I'm not sure if he's gone yet, too, but he was. He was pretty... he, yeah, I think he, he went a about a month ago now yeah he, he went pretty quickly after on read it i think that was the agreement that jardine came in and went and i don't really want him staying out there so i think yeah. he went pretty quickly yeah yeah exactly because it was the jardine sort of robolio sort of took all he, he called jardine personally and apologized for sacking him and and which is which is a ridiculous situation to be in i imagine jardine was uh enjoying enjoying that and um and basically took all of his his advice for, for the for this January transfer window because I wasn't sure about it doesn't really matter but I wasn't sure if Emanalo was sort of suspended in the same way that other other managers are and they're not actually sacked but he's definitely not involved anymore and um and Vasiliev sort of was sort of the head I guess of those of, of those two other sort of sections of the club and and I guess the the Raboliev sort of felt that the buck stopped with him a bit and, and he went too but I kind of felt that 
um, he's the man that has has sort of facilitated their rise back from league to winning the title, and the way he's gone about signing players, and the way that they they built the squad and 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 built the model, and and the way they made so much money from and transfers, and a lot of that was reinvested in 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 younger players, and and the way those have been developed. And although it may have been a stake to 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 lose Jardim, I don't. I think it may also be a mistake for for Vasiliev to go. So it'd be really interesting to see. To see how that happens and and how they play it plays out without him and they, they have they've got a new um, vice president to replace him um, who who um, I think his name's Oleg Petrov he doesn't have much of a football background but has um has as a sort of extensive business background in the same way that Vasiliev and Raboliev do and it, 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 but given that uh, Vasiliev did such a good job it's going to be really really difficult for him to emulate that success so I'm I'm just wondering whether that when it comes to the summer is their recruitment going to be an issue again as it was this summer with 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 Emanalo and and will it coalesce again in the same way it did under Vasiliev and I, I don't know that it will so Jardim having Jardim back is a start as I said they've kind of they've listened to him and they they Emanalo's gone and um Yuri Tielemans who we didn't fancy for example was was uh, loaned out to Leicester um and another part of players that is sort of his his decisions his choices like Jelson like Adrian Silva um, like Vinicius w- was sort of brought in and, and he was sort of given for the keys, if you like. Um, and that's a good idea. But whether they went too far in getting rid of Vasiliev would be interesting to see how, how it plays out because I wonder if that's a bad decision. Mm, yeah, and I think we mentioned it on Monday. I don't want to sort of repeat mm. um, what I already said then. But at the same time, it, it felt like they maybe lent it too much into the youth's products without oh, yeah. realizing mm. how much they'd sold on really i don't think they really contemplated that yes they brought in a load of young players that had got them success but they were at the club for two three years before they sold them on and mm. then they sold them all in one go and tried to replace them all in one transfer winner it, it doesn't really work like that if they do it sort of incrementally now if they sort of go okay we need to sign two Say we've got five players we need to sign. Let's have three young players that we can integrate slowly and two senior pros that are going to work a little bit better with the squad. That's maybe an easier way to do it. And that's probably what Jardim has, mm. has sort of expressed to them because the problem is now is some of the young players that they have are, are going to be difficult to sell unless Tielemans has a really good Premier League season, half season, which is probably their real hope. They'll probably want to, to move him on. And you look at other players they may have thought of, Jemison's not really going to be a mover anymore, really, in all honesty. I don't think he really deserves to get into the Monaco team, never mind anyone else's team, really, at the moment. City Bay's probably gone past the point of somewhere where you would sell him, but he's still useful for the for the club, at least. Obviously, Glick was never really bought as someone to sell. Ronnie Lopez having a, a big injury this season's maybe curtailed anyone coming in for him at the summer, so they, they, they may be having to adjust plans because of the fact that they have been so poor and the fact that they're not really going to have the chance to sell any young players um, this summer, unless it was for a lot less than they would have been um, hoping for, at least anyway. And that's not really the, the way you keep that sustainable model going. Um, on to their opponents very quickly, Adam, really, because um, we've got too much time. But uh, Leon, is there any chance that they'll be suffering from any sort of Champions League hangover or one of those classic Leon plays down to a team that's below them kind of moment? Perhaps. Uh, I think it'd be an interesting time to play Monaco because um as i said this you know as, we, as we've been discussing they're kind of on the up and they're playing well and they've got some exciting players in their team and for the team that that sort of seems to be developing with you know look at their first 11 and you say monaco's first 11 is sort of falcao gelson lopez Fa- fabregas golovin adrian silva as a front six that's that's not a bottom five league and uh team at all that's a top three league and team and, and with jardin back in charge they're they're not the team that perhaps 
um, other, you know, league and clubs have enjoyed playing this season when under Thierry Henry, when they're obviously really poor. So I think it'd be a mistake for them to to sort of, as you mentioned, sort of play down to to them. And I, I don't think they will. I think um, that Genesio is probably probably a little bit more wise to that. But obviously, five days between games isn't, isn't too bad. It's not. It's you know, it's what they play, they play on Tuesday and the games on Sunday night. So you know, it's a little bit of a gap. So I imagine with Fakir having not played in the week, he'll play. And and they'll they'll, they'll put out a pretty strong side, maybe rotate a little bit, but I would imagine that um, it'll be a strongly on team, and they'll they'll take this game very seriously because Monaco are a dangerous position again. Yeah, I think that's the problem with Leon at the moment. Really, is they've not quite got the amount of depth, have they? They they can't yeah. quite really rotate everyone out. Really, you'd maybe think that not just Fakir, you'd maybe maybe Corne starts at the weekend as well, as to to add a bit of freshness to the front line that looked a little bit. Uh, leggy at the weekend do they make, but then the problem is is you maybe want to replace one of those midfielders but do you take one of those out at the moment it's a it's a difficult decision or any of the defenders really either after a superb performance it makes it more difficult but final predictions then Adam what do you think the score will be in this one I think I think Monaco might get something from this I'm going to say tool again I fancy a Monaco win, you know. I, I think this might be... They're on a little bit of a roll. Now they're starting to get results. I think this is maybe the game where we see the performance out of them a little bit more. Jardim, motivate them. Go go and show them what, what you're really about and uh, make sure that they, in the next couple of weeks, after this game, really, they've got... Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the easiest round of games, really, but classic Monaco winnable games. You're thinking Angers and Bordeaux before they face Lille and then Conte to end out March and Gangomp as well. You feel like a win here, maybe you can get four wins out of five there, but skipping the sort of Lille game, saying that they're, they're find it tricky there, but they could always win the draw there. And then they're not just going to be out of the, the drop zone, but potentially sneakily heading into a, Europe, a European fight before the end of the season. But we might be thinking a little bit too far ahead, but I'm going to go 2-1 Monaco and uh, this should be a good one. I think both of those two games at the end of the weekend will be certainly ones to watch. That's all for this week. Um, my thanks to Adam and all of you listening at home. Uh, do you join us again for the main show, which will be back on Monday. But for now, Enjoy your weekend of football.